As Simon said, we're looking this morning at expect the unexpected. We're looking at how God is a God of surprises. And I've already been surprised once today, um, because uh, as we were praying um, in the back there, Jonathan gave me a packet of sweets. I wasn't expecting this at all, but this was actually a penalty for him allowing the, uh, the leaders' meeting to overrun on Thursday. Um, but I'd like to pass that surprise on. So... Uh, I'm going to ask you, you could take one, have a good surprise, and then pass it on to somebody else who you'd like to surprise. Do you like surprises? Or do you like to be in control? You like surprises so long as they're Rolos, yeah? You want the last one. Oh, well, I'm not sure about that. You know, sometimes people like surprises, but sometimes people like to be uh, totally in control of things, real uh, uh, planning everything down to the last detail. I wonder, what kind of surprises are there? Any thoughts? Good ones, yes. There's nice surprises. There, maybe not so good ones. Yeah, unexpected bad news. It can be a surprise as well. Um, you know, it might be uh, that somebody uh, um, that you haven't seen for ages turns up on your doorstep. It's a wonderful surprise to meet them again. Well, later on um, in the service, and why I'm mentioning it now is to give you a bit of chance to think about it, uh, you're going to have a chance to share maybe some of the ways that God has surprised you recently. Okay? So, have a think. Make sure it's nice and... Uh, um, uh, kind of shortened to the point because we'd like to get through as many of those uh, stories of God's faithfulness as possible. But to um, break the ice a little bit, um, we're going to play a little bit of a game of what happened next. Now, who likes um, You've Been Framed? Yeah, do you like to see that? Well, what I've done is I've created a few clips, and you're going to have to watch them really carefully. Um, some of them are a bit short, but they stop at a certain point. And what I want you to do is work out what you think happened next. Okay. So, you ready? Here's the first one. Right. What happened next? Did, A, the boy knock the cameraman over? B, did he fall off the swing? Or C, did he fall off the swing and then got knocked over? Elizabeth, what do you think? B. B, he fell off the swing. Oh, we've got a few A's. It's quite a popular thing, isn't it? The cameraman gets, uh, gets hit in these things. But here we go. This is what happens. So you might think he just got... fell over. But oh, no, there's always another one. There's always a sting in the tail, isn't there? Right, so this next one. What happened next? Did the girl's dad kick a football into her? Did a dog run into the girl and knock her over? Or did the girl trip her up while she was dancing so hard? Oh, you haven't got much faith in fathers, have you? Right? Let's see what happens. Oh, no. See, I mean. Yes. 
Child protection are going to be around after that one. Okay, this next one. Right. What happens next? Does the woman lose her grip on a golf club and it hits the cameraman? Does she miss the ball completely but send the tee flying? Does a dog run on? We've got to have a dog in here somewhere, haven't we? Uh, and steal the ball. B, you've got a few shouts to be there. Well, let's have a look. Yep. Bit of an embarrassing shot there. Okay, two more to go. They're on a zip wire, if you couldn't see that, clearly. Um, what happens? Do all three boys jump on the zip line together and snap it? Does a boy knock over a child uh, standing at the end of the zip line runway? Or does a boy swing up and end up being tangled on the zip line? See, you think? Well, let's have a look. Yes, it was C. And last one. Another golf one. You see, these you've been framed things, they're so obvious when you look at it, aren't they? Right, what happens? Does the man slip and fall into the swimming pool? Does the golf ball bounce off the railings that you saw there and into the camera? Um, does he hit both the golf ball and the flip-flop and they go flying off into the distance? A. You just know what it's going to be, don't you? That's going to hurt, isn't it? So... I guess... Uh, I guess all those people, in one way or another, were rather surprised at the things that happened to them. Uh, I can assure you, from what it says online, that nobody was really hurt in the filming of those things. Um, but uh, certainly they got a bit, a bit of a shock. Um, but as I say, we're going to be looking at how God surprises us. And uh, there's going to be three ways that I think that God surprises us um, that we're going to be uh, having a, a, a dig into. Um, but as I say, please do have a think about uh, a story that you might be willing to share. Expect the unexpected. Do you believe that God is a God of surprises? Yeah? Do you know, if you look at the Bible and you look at the Old Testament, New Testament, uh, but particularly the life of Jesus, Jesus was surprising people all the time. And I've got a few pictures here, and I want to see if you can guess what the surprise event in the Bible was that this is referring to, okay? Anybody know this one? The wedding. Okay, no. Yeah. Jesus turned water into wine. What a surprise the, uh, the steward of the wedding had um, when... Uh, 
when he poured out this uh, water from the water jugs and it became wine and he said it's the best wine. You know, it's not just any old wine. It was the best wine. He was completely uh, surprised at what was going on. This next one. What could this be? Sarah, yeah. Abraham and Sarah. You know, God chose to use these two people. They were... Um, you know, well advanced in their years, it says. Um, Sarah was probably 90, 91, something like that. And God said, you are going to be the parents of a great nation. And do you know what Sarah's reaction was? She laughed. <laughs> How can I possibly, at my age, have a child? And yet God surprised them. And sure enough, they had baby Isaac. <coughs> and went on to become the parents of a great nation. What was this surprise? Yes, go ahead. <coughs> Giving away the food, yeah. The feeding of the 5,000, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, people have been listening to Jesus all day. They were tired, they were hungry, and the disciples were all off, uh, nipping off down to the uh, nearest uh, Tesco, sending them everybody down to get, uh, get food. And yet there was one boy who had five loaves and two fish. And Jesus surprised everybody by turning it into a veritable banquet for everybody. And there was so much left over, they had enough to fill 12 baskets. Wow, what a surprise. What could this next one be? Yes, Doris. Happy birthday, by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here were well-practiced fishermen who'd been fishing all night, caught nothing, and Jesus gave them a simple instruction to put the net down on the other side. You can imagine what they were thinking. Yeah, right. And they caught so many fish that the nets were nearly breaking. Real surprise there. What could this one be? Yeah, Nick? Lazarus. Yeah. So Lazarus had been dead for quite a few days. And Jesus went down there and uh, called him out of the tomb and he came out. must have been a bit bizarre to see him coming out dressed in uh, all these burial clothes. Uh, and Jesus said, quick, unwrap him, give him some food. But what a surprise. It's not the kind of thing you expect to see every day, is it? And then the last one. What could this be? Sorry, Rachel? Was that, oh, Claire, was it? Yeah, like a thief in the night. We'll be coming on to this later. But God says in his word that many people will be surprised and not necessarily in a good way. And I was thinking, you know, why is it that God is a God of surprises? And for me, this verse, or these two verses in Isaiah, pretty much sums up the key reason why God is a God of surprises. Could we read this together? Yeah? So, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
You see, God is kind of working at a completely different level to what we understand. His ways are so much greater than ours, and when we try and kind of box him into our understanding, we really limit what we expect of him. And it's little wonder when God does work, it comes with surprise. You know, right throughout the Bible, um, God surprised people, surprised people in the, the kind of people that he chose to do his work. Right, Moses, Moses was a, was a murderer. Yeah. Moses was somebody who was so unconfident in his own abilities to do things, God said, actually, that doesn't matter. I want to use you. And he used people like Abraham, like Sarah, who uh, almost like on a worldly level um, didn't, uh, didn't have any use. But God's ways are so much bigger than our ways. And his ways and his plans are perfect. Jesus is teaching. He astounded people. Right? The Bible says people were amazed at the authority with which he taught. He astounded people with his miracles in the, in the things that uh, he was uh, uh, able to perform, the way that he healed the sick, the way that he raised the dead. Jesus surprised in the very way that he came into the world. Right? People were expecting a great Messiah, a great king, and here he came as a little baby, born in a stable that had to be borrowed. When he entered into Jerusalem, it wasn't on a great white horse. He surprised people by turning up on a donkey in great humility. Nobody expected Jesus to go through the pain and the suffering and the death that he died. But God surprised people with his generosity in uh, saving people from their sins. So God is a God of surprises um, because his ways are so much higher. And in some ways, this gives us a bit of a problem because if we can't understand God's ways, how can we understand his plans and purposes? I want to just share with you uh, just a little thought that uh, wows me every time I think about it. You know, God's given us the ability to see, most of us. Yeah? It's a wonderful gift, isn't it, to be able to look around and, and enjoy the beauty of God's creation, the wonder of, of colours. Yeah? But the Bible says that actually the things that we see now, the things that we understand, it's as if we're just seeing through a glass darkly. We're only seeing a shadow of it. We're only seeing a portion of God's greatness. And it's, it came to me um, probably about 20 years ago when I was uh, doing uh, um, some, some work around uh, kind of physics and uh, looking into this stuff. And I won't go too deep, I promise. But the light that we see is part of a huge spectrum, right? You might have heard of the electromagnetic spectrum, right? And this light that we see is just a very small sliver of that total spectrum of light. Yeah. God, for whatever reason, has chosen to only allow us to see certain things. So we can't see things like radio waves, microwaves, um, we can't see ultraviolet and all that kind of stuff. Can you imagine what it would be like if you could see all that stuff? Right? It would be total confusion, wouldn't it? Right? Everybody kind of turns their phones on and all of a sudden you're bombarded with uh, um, radio waves and, uh, and microwaves and stuff. 
You know, God is wise in only allowing us to see certain things. But 1 John 1, 5 says that God is light. Right? In him there's no darkness. He sees everything. There is no darkness at all. God sees that entire spectrum, not just what we see. So when you think about God's power and his majesty, you've got to understand that he sees very much a bigger picture. Now there are times, there's a few occasions when God allows people to see outside the normal spectrum. I wonder if you can uh, kind of recall any in the Bible. But what about Isaiah in the temple when he was allowed to see the throne of God? It was like kind of the, uh, the barriers were opened up. What about Elisha when he was allowed to see God's angel armies surrounding? Right? He saw into the heavenly realms. What about Stephen when he was being stoned? And he said, I saw heaven opened. And he saw Jesus. What about John in his revelation of heaven? God sometimes allows people to see that bigger picture of who he is. And what a wonderful picture it is. So, first of all, God is a God of surprises because his ways are totally different from ours and inevitably he's going to do things that surprises us. Secondly, God is a God of surprising abundance. Right? You know, when God does things, he just goes way over and above what we can imagine. And he does that so that we won't be disappointed. It would be a bit uh, of a shame, wouldn't it, if we go, oh God, that was a bit disappointing. He didn't really uh, pull out all the stops there. God always goes way above what we expect. And there's a great verse from Ephesians. And I wonder if we could read this verse together, please. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can do more than we can ever ask or imagine? Because that's the God of surprises, isn't it? I'm going to take a bit of time now. You've had time to think. I wonder if people would like to share just very briefly of things that might have happened recently where God caught you by surprise in uh, his generosity. I know Irene's itching to give one, so I'm going to go to her first. Yesterday, I had a day off from Nigel. Is that a surprise? <laughs> and I, I lay in bed and I thought, what shall I do today, Lord? And I, I got my mobile phone out and I looked down my list of contacts and I noticed six people that I'd not seen for several years. So I thought, right, I'm going to send six texts. So yesterday morning I sent six texts to six people. I had an answer almost immediately from one lady called Veronica. Veronica lives in Lim. She is from Eastern Europe. I haven't seen her for two or three years. Nigel and I once went to their house for lunch or tea or something. So 
that, that was the text. I got the car and I filled up with petrol at Morrison's and I thought, shall I go to, which mountain shall I head for? Well, knowing me, I headed for Wales. So I went down the A55. I did a bit of reminiscing around St. Asaph and I had a little cry in the car with, um, because that was a, a place I remembered going with Joe. And then I drove to Landudno. Stayed in Landudno for a very short time and thought, I think I will try and go to the place where my mum and dad used to take us when I was a child. Okay, so I'm 80. So this was 70 years ago, at least. So I drove along the main coast road and I parked in a bus uh, stop space because there was nowhere else to park. And I thought, I'm going to walk up that narrow lane because on the right there used to be a house that was covered in seashells. So I walked up this very steep, narrow lane in North Wales. And I got a bit further and I couldn't see this house anywhere and I saw a white van. And I thought, right, I'll ask that guy. If he's local, maybe he'll remember. I got to the van and the window was open, the engine was running. And I looked at this fellow and I thought, I know you. (laughs) Do you know who it was? It was Veronica's partner. I had not seen them for two years. He used to help me do some stuff in the garden years ago. I couldn't, I just was absolutely gobsmacked, overwhelmed. I said, I've just texted Veronica today and she's answered me. And she's told me you're not gardening anymore. You're using the white van and you're traveling and you love it. I I just could not believe it. I'm I'm gone goosey just thinking about it. Who would do that but God? A little narrow lane in North Wales, just out of the back of my head, and God led us together. I believe God's got plans for that couple. I pray for them, and I'd love you to pray for them too. They're both from Eastern Europe. They've got jobs in England. They live just off Albany Road in Statham. And I just was so thrilled that God would do that for me yesterday. Hmm. Thank you. Anybody else like to share some surprises? Oh, Nicholas, go on. Great. Thank you. On Friday this week, um, I spent the day recording, um, doing a new um, solo flute CD. And I have to fund it all myself and... Uh, I've been doing it in instalments because it's quite, it's quite a costly venture. And I did the whole thing on Friday. And um, as I was driving home in the car, I was thinking, oh, Lord, I, r- I really need the next instalment for this uh, CD. And um, I was a bit sort of, a little bit worried about it, thinking, oh, gosh, I really have got to trust God here and uh, how I'm going to pay the next instalment. And I got home and um, there was a, an envelope um, on my desk and um, I recognised the envelope because it's one of these um, those of you who have sort of these uh, non, um, rather strange shares that you've um, sort of um, whatever you call it you, you seem to have uh, accumulated them you get this dividend at the end of the year and I have to say in the last 20 years of each cheque has been about 10, 10p and it's completely um, irrelevant. And, I mean, I've never had anything that's been beyond 13p, I think. Anyway, and so I recognised the envelope and thought, oh, right, okay, that's fine. Uh, opened the envelope, and, of course, it was 
it was a, roughly the amount of the next instalment. And so I was so surprised by the Lord and very grateful. Fantastic. Any others people want to share? I've got a bad one, but there's a good one. All right. Yeah, we all have known about this on the prayer chain. On the uh, 29th of August, we had a horrible surprise at 1.15 in the morning when a neighbor rang us up to say both of our cars had been stolen. Uh, phone, phone calls in the night like that don't half wake you up. Anyway, um, cut a long story short, uh, both Nicola and I independently sort of made our prayer that the Lord would redeem the situation, whatever that meant. And I went to bed that night really worried because there was a big question, was the back door left open, no signs of forced entry? Does that mean the insurance on the house will be invalid? Does that mean all of the money that I still owe on the car will be invalid and I will lose that and the insurance company won't pay out? Um, uh, and so on. So you could imagine there were plenty of things to worry about. And the Lord said, just trust me. Anyway, after a load of faff, paperwork and all the rest of it, three weeks later, uh, I found a car in Cardiff and Nicola found one in Sheffield, both of which were better than the ones that we'd had stolen. And the insurance money provided us with enough money to be able to sort those out. And the, what I love about that is you can trust God with the circumstances. The Lord knew that was a put all sorts of practical problems and it was horrible and shocking and all the rest of it. Um, but actually asking him to redeem. He knows what we need. And, and we left it with him to, to while we did the paperwork to provide and he did. So bless his name. Hmm. Great. Thanks, Nick. You know, sometimes we we don't see what's going on. We don't see that bigger picture, do we? And this is really where faith comes in. In dealing with a God of surprises, a God who uh, works in the unexpected, faith is uh, all important. Can we read this verse together? Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Great verse, that, isn't it? Just a brief story from from myself. Um, A few weeks back, I was um, had to go to France, on, uh, on business, and uh, I was presenting at quite a large uh, um, uh, conference. Um, it was a really important one, very important for me, for me personally. And I was leading an event that I could not get my head around how I was going to do this. I really could not. And even the night before, I just had no idea what I was going to do in this 30-minute slot that I was allocated So I went to bed praying, God, would you just inspire me? Would you help me? And I woke up at four o'clock in the morning, suddenly knowing how I was going to do this. So I had a a, a book, um, a piece of paper, and I scribbled down these ideas, literally had it scribbled down in 10 minutes, went back to sleep again, got up in the morning, a couple of slides together to prepare prepare for it, and then delivered the session. And each of these sessions get rated, and I'm not in any way blowing my own trumpet, but of all the sessions over the whole weekend, this one was people's favorites. And not only that, people have taken that idea, and now they're doing it elsewhere. So isn't it great how God can just use, you know, when you say, I just don't know, I haven't got a clue, and how he can turn that around. He is the God of the unexpected, isn't he? Praise him. Right. We're going to um, take up our offering now, so uh, 
Um, please, Simon, uh, and the uh, worship team, we're going to sing You Are Holy, and uh, if the steward would please uh, take up the offering thing. Okay, expect the unexpected. There is, I think, a third reason why God is a God of surprises. So we first of all looked at his ways are not our ways. He does things that are just totally outside of our understanding. He's a God of surprising abundance. He always exceeds our expectations. He does more than we could ever ask or imagine. Now the third reason why we might be surprised is because we ignore the signs. Now, do you think that God's plan is a secret? I don't think it is. I think if you look at his word, if you understand the prophecies that are in his word, God makes his plan abundantly clear. 1 Timothy 2, 3, 4 easy way to remember that one, 1, 2, 3, 4, 1 Timothy 2, 3 to 4, says, this is good and pleases God our Saviour who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's his plan. He wants all people to be saved. It's kind of simple. And throughout um, the Bible, there's prophecies, there are stories, uh, foretellings of that plan, just cementing it. There can be no... um, no excuse. How we get there might be um, up for interpretation and debate. It's not always clear what journey, what uh, signs we'll have to encounter on the way. You know, it's a bit like, who likes watching Match of the Day? Yeah? When you watch Match of the Day, do you try very hard not to know the score before you watch it? Or do you like to know the score before you start watching? No? You like it to be a secret? Well, you see, in that match of the day example, it's almost as if God has told us what the score is. We know who wins, right? It's no surprise. We read in the Bible that Jesus is going to come again and he's going to restore the world to... uh, um, uh, restore the world and the heavens. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and it's going to be all put back to how it was meant to be. But in watching the match, on match of the day, you might think, well, hang about, what's going on here? I had a traumatic experience just a few weeks ago. You may know that I support Newcastle United. We're not doing so well. But we were playing Manchester United the other week, and at half-time, we were 2-0 up. Fantastic. This is an easy win. Mourinho's out, right? We're going to start climbing up the league. But then during the second half, it all went pear-shaped. And we ended up losing 3-2. You know... <laughs> well, I have a heart. But, <laughs> but, you know, watching match of the day would have been very different whether I knew the score beforehand or whether I didn't, right? If I knew the final score was going to be 3-2, despite the fact we were 2-0 up at half-time, I would have still been despondent, yeah? If I don't listen to 
the warning signs, the, the prophecy, the final score, as it were, and I watch, I can be sadly disappointed. You know, and God gives us in his word a very clear plan and a very clear um, you know, guidance on what's going to happen. It's up for us to work through that journey, though. But no matter when bad things happen, like both cars get stolen, actually God's a faithful God, and he sees it through in the end. Four times in the New Testament, God warns that Jesus will return like a thief in the night. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to come creeping in, right? Actually, it's going to be blatantly obvious when Jesus returns, right? Um, it says that like the lightning goes from the east to the west, it will be obvious when the Son of God returns. Nobody will be under any illusion. But why the terminology like a thief in the night is used is because uh, people won't be expecting it. Right? It'll be as if it catches them out totally by surprise. Now, some of you may have known from the prayer chain requests that went out for rebuild that we had an unfortunate uh, incident in South Africa where in the middle of the night, on the last night of our stay there, a thief crept into one of the dormitories and stole somebody's passport. Stole some other stuff as well. And that was a really traumatic exercise, a little, uh, experience. The last thing we were uh, expecting was for that to happen. And it caused great disruption. Do you know what? When I look at people around in the world, even when people are looking at the news and what's going on, it's almost like the last thing they expect is that Jesus is going to come back. Yeah, he's going to come like a thief in the night and surprise. So, you know, we need to be completely open uh, and uh, unaware of what Jesus is saying. And it won't be the, uh, the first time that this kind of big surprise has happened. Matthew's Gospel even refers to uh, the time of Noah. Now, you know, Noah had been building uh, the ark for about a hundred years or so. It took him a long time to build this big boat. And he would have been telling the people all around him, you know, God is going to judge the earth, right? Beware. But Matthew says that right up until the time that Noah entered the ark, people were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, giving in marriage, you know, acting as if everything was just going to carry on in the way it was. And Jesus says in Matthew, just in the same way, it'll be like that when Jesus comes again. We have to be prepared. God is a God of surprises, but he doesn't want to surprise his people in this way. We need to be like the, the wise virgins waiting for the bridegroom, uh, those that have oil in their lamp, those who are awake, those who are ready to receive the bridegroom. So let's expect the unexpected in what God can do for us. But let's also be ready for the expected, because that's what Jesus tells us in his word. Amen.